What's the worst part about breaking four tackles and running into the end zone for the game-winning touchdown? Not having your Wayfair still with you to protect your eyes from all the flashbulbs. Sounders, keep your shades anchored and where they belong during life's greatest feats. Head to soundergoods.com and use promo code KTTC to get 10% off and free shipping with any order. You're listening to the Keefe to the City Podcast. Here's Neil Keith. All right, so despite losing Henrik Lundqvist, uh, now it's about uh, six weeks ago, uh, playing without him for over a month. Cam Talbot seeing just about every game with uh, the Kansas Gaps. He had two games against the Sabres, getting wins in both those games. And before Lundqvist went down, I said that he didn't, you know, Cam Talbot didn't need to be Henrik Lundqvist. He just needed to be a serviceable backup and uh, let the Rangers, uh, you know, be able to stay in and hang in games and give them a chance to win. And he's done much more than that. Propelled them now to first place in the entire NHL. And the Blackhawks come to town on Wednesday. The uh, class of the Western Conference, uh, even if the standings don't show that right now. Uh, in what might be another Stanley Cup preview that we saw um, just over a week ago when the Rangers beat them in Chicago and joining me as always when it's Rangers Blackhawks is Ryan Brandell of Barstool Sports Chicago. You know him as Barstool Chief on there. Ryan, the uh, Blackhawks are coming to town in the to New York City, the home of the best team in the National Hockey League. Yep, kind uh, of flipped the script a little bit since uh, the Rangers got the best of the Hawks uh, when they played last week uh, in Chicago, one nothing in overtime. Uh, so I, I think uh, I think that game was a bit of a turning point for the Hawks. They had been sluggish um, and, and poor defensively in their own zone for a long time, uh, bad turnovers. And that game against the Rangers, uh, even though they, they didn't score, I thought they played well uh, and, and played very well defensively in front of Crawford uh, with the exception of uh, the blown assignment in overtime by the rookie uh, Turbo Teravainen. Uh, which led to uh, uh, Broussard's goal. But other than that, I thought they were pretty sound defensively. And, and since that, and the effort was there. And, and, and since that game, the Hawks have uh, been hitting their stride a little bit. Uh, they pummeled San Jose on Saturday, six to two, out there. And I want to say in their last uh, ten games, with, you know, that Rangers game is included. I think they're like six one and two. So they're playing better than they were in the starting to find their stride here without Patrick Kane. The, the thing about that game when they played uh, back on, uh, what was that, uh, March 8th, so yeah, just over a week ago, uh, is that the Rangers seem to have you know outplayed them and played better than them in Chicago, which is something, uh, you know, the Rangers won there last year. They won both games against the Blackhawks last year, but most teams have a hard time playing in Chicago, and the Blackhawks have been you know such a great home presence over these last few years as they've become uh, sort of the dynasty of the league. And to see the Rangers sort of, you know, outplay them and at times dominate the play, it just felt like when it was 0-0 for so long and the Rangers missed a bunch of opportunities that the Blackhawks would come down and, and you know, get a lucky bounce or a deflection of some sort and win the game one nothing. But and then I'm going the other way, but is it weird you know, when you see a team come in, uh, you know, on the road, especially Eastern Conference team, and play so well in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I, I I wouldn't say that they dominated the game. I think they dominated the first period for sure. The Rangers did, uh, and after that, it was pretty even, and, and teams kind of traded chances. Um, I would say the Rangers probably had more quality chances, but the shots were about even. 
uh, and goal, both goaltenders played very well. So I think, and I think we talked about it, it could be a Stanley Cup uh, preview, and it's because we saw you know a nice defensive matchup where both teams uh, were committed to their assignments and, and took care of the puck in their own zone for the most part. So, uh, but no, it's not really a surprise to see a team like the Rangers come in and play well. Like they're a big market team as well. They're used to uh, kind of the bright lights, big city uh, type uh, atmosphere, which, you know, they get in New York. Um, So if a team like, you know, Carolina or somebody like that (laughs) came in or, you know, or a smaller market team from the Eastern Conference uh, came in and and really played well, I'd be surprised. But the Rangers at this point, after, you know, getting to the Stanley Cup Finals last year, and and they have a you know some a lot of veteran guys on that team and good leadership. Uh, no, it doesn't surprise me when they play well. They they have the best record in the league for a reason. So I think the Hawks were uh, were prepared for a battle and they got it and uh, made for a really entertaining uh, hockey game, even though it was you know zero zero through regu- regulation. Usually at this time of the year, the Rangers are still fighting the you know, jockeying for position, trying to get off the playoff bubble. They usually don't clinch until, like, game 79, 80, or 81. Or as it, Even in the past, they've clinched on the last day of the season thanks to some help and a, and a, a loss along the way with the Hurricanes, which happened uh, four years ago. But for you guys, I mean, this is, you know, this is uh, uncharted territory for me because I'm not used to coasting through, you know, part of February, all of March, and the beginning of April until the playoffs. And just, you know, we watch these games now, and you hope they win. You hope they can continue to win and really just want everyone to stay healthy as you get closer to the playoffs but to, to have this feeling where you're sort of just you know waiting for the playoffs to happen and you just hope no one you know takes a shot off the wrist or anything in these next few weeks it, it's very weird and it's sort of uncomfortable because usually the Rangers are playing a game seven every night so I, I guess it's something I, sh- I could and should get used to because it's it's a much easier time being a fan right now when you know you're going to the playoffs and it doesn't uh you know the last three four weeks aren't going to really matter yeah I mean I, I... I'm a little bit envious of you, like the shoes on the other foot, I guess, because the, the Hawks are the team that are currently sitting in a position where they don't have uh, home ice in the first round, and uh, things have been a little uh, a little stressful around here as you know you're integrating new players like Tiemann and Vermette, and then uh, and then calling up Taravainen to kind of take uh, Patrick Kane's spot, and then Andrew Desjardins. So there's there's been a lot of uh, a lot of changes to the roster and adjusting to life without Patrick Kane. And then, you know, they hadn't been playing that well. So I, I think the Rangers are, are definitely uh, in the better spot. And in, in, uh, um, when compared to the Hawks, because they do kind of have it wrapped up now, it can change in, in an instant. Uh, if you lose a guy like, I guess the Patrick Kane equivalent would be Rick Nash um, in terms of what he means to your team offensively. You're not getting some wood right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not hoping for that. I want everybody <laughs> to be healthy and at their best. Um, but yeah, so I, I, it is it, like you said, it is about staying healthy. Uh, and this whole thing with Lundqvist uh, is something to keep their eye on. But it sounds like he's coming back at the end of the month, correct? Yeah, supposedly at the end. I mean, I've heard different dates now since people started to put out reports yesterday. But supposedly uh, at the end of next week, I believe. Okay, so. And it was a weird kind of freak injury. Was it like a um, give, give, what would they call it again? Like a dislocated, yeah, it was or sort a of sprained blood like, vessel. I don't, yeah, in his neck and like a stick. There was uh, traffic in front, and a stick got two guys' sticks got tangled. And they sort of lifted his 
mask right as a shot came, and it's and a shot got him in the neck. Okay, so I mean, it's something that you could argue, as long as he has time to get back in the groove, might save his legs. So he could be extra fresh for the playoffs. So everything seems like they're it's kind of breaking the Rangers' way a little bit here. And, and I, like I said on our last podcast, I really do feel like they've separated themselves from uh, from the rest of the East. Yeah, and I agree. And I think, you know, especially when it comes to a goalie, uh, whereas it's not, you know, as uh, as necessary as a player to be on the ice and skating and, and keeping your hands for the entire season. But for a goalie to, to have that extra rest is key. And I think if you, you know, no one imagined that they'd go on this sort of run without him, they didn't seem, you know, possible. You were hoping to, you know, tread water until he could get back and go into the, the final stretch of the season. But to do the job they've done without him, I mean, they've become. I guess you'd say the best team in the NHL without their best player, without possibly the best goalie in the NHL. Yeah, it seems like they just kind of circled the wagons and were like, you know, maybe in the past they had been kind of content to to rely on Lundqvist to pull their ass out of the fire a little bit <laughs> at times. Um, but it was like, hey, we got to rally and play the right way uh, all the time now that we don't have Hank to back us up and it's turned them into the best team in the league. Now, Tal- Talbot has been phenomenal. I was really impressed with him uh, against the Hawks. Obviously, he had a shutout, but he moves well, plays the angles well. Um, seems like he's got like a little bit of fire in him. Like He, he competes really hard. So I'm a big Cam Talbot guy. He, he looks like a guy who uh, could start for, for a lot of teams in the NHL, and he just happens to be Hank's bank, uh, backup. Um, so they might have a nice little trade ship here at some point uh, in the future. I'm not sure what his contract status is, but Talbot, he looks like the truth, the real deal. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he's a guy who went to Alabama Huntsville, which is like the bottom of the barrel, D1, was undrafted and, you know, sort of worked his way up into this role. And, uh, you know, as a rookie last year, he was 26, he's 27 now, so he's not exactly, you know, a young guy. But like you said, he he looks like he could start and easily could start on a lot of teams that have goalie questions. And I was at a party this weekend with – other Rangers fans were there, um, you know, among other teams' fans. And one guy who who told me, in all seriousness, that he thinks the Rangers should trade Lundqvist and keep Talbot because he's so cheap, which was the most insane thing I've ever heard in my life. But I think they'll definitely try to move him in the offseason, maybe to uh, to to get something in return because he should be starting, and I'm sure he wants to start. Even as fun as his run's been these last few weeks, it must suck knowing that you've done all this work, and the second that Lundqvist says he's good, you're you're back on the bench. Right, you're back to being the guy who rides the bus to the stadium and yeah. doesn't get a sweat. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I really liked, uh, liked him, though. Hopefully they trade him to uh, some team in the Eastern Conference so we don't have to deal with that guy. Or trade him to Edmonton and we still don't have to really deal with him, worry about him. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you about uh, your feelings on the loser point in the league because when you talk about the Blackhawks, sort of, you know, things are uh, not really, uh, you know, turbulent right now. There's not a lot of turmoil, but, I mean, they are third in the Central despite having 88 points, despite being 20 games over 500. And when you think about a team being 20 games over 500 at this point in the season, I mean, making the playoffs, you know, probably having home ice should both be locks, but 
they're only, you know, eight points up, which is the equivalent of four wins on Winnipeg, who's outside the playoffs right now in the ninth spot. So to be only four wins, splitting, you know, the Blackhawks and a team on the playoff bubble just seems wrong. And, I, and now when you look across the league, and maybe this year is an anomaly because I don't remember it being this prevalent, but this loser point has, you know, basically the entire league over 500. I mean, the Devils, who haven't been a factor since, like, the second week of the season, are still sitting at exactly 500 right now, which isn't going to get them in the playoffs. But to think that they're a 500 team when they haven't really played like one because, you know, they're getting a point every time they can hold it till regulation, it just seems like the more and more people watch that happen and see how bad the shootout takes away from good games, that should either end in four and four or three on three. Um, it's just the case can't get any stronger than it has this year. That the the system needs to be fixed. Yeah, I, I think we've seen. I, I think uh, there's there's two arguments to that. Um, the loser point, you know, it it also kind of makes it more exciting because it keeps teams in the race longer. So if you're trying to sell tickets and you're a new, and you're the Lou Lamarillo and running the Devils. Uh, the team you referenced, it's not, you don't really mind it because it keeps you like, hey, like there's an outside shot. Yeah, maybe I will take my uh, my paycheck and, and splurge for a couple of Devils tickets this weekend because they're still kind of in the race. Whereas if you didn't have that point and all of a sudden they're you know 15 points out, then uh, or whatever the you know whatever it is, and I could see that that um, could be, you know, that could be a deterrent for the the smaller market or, or bad teams uh, from having people buy uh, tickets on a whim. So I don't know. I, I see both sides. I know what you're saying, and I I kind of like the parity and the fact that it keeps teams in. It's almost like the uh, the second wild card in baseball, uh, where it just you know it just gives teams more of a shot and uh, and something to play for uh, longer in the year. But but you're right. It is uh, it is frustrating at the same point if you're a team like the Hawks. Now I, I got to say, like I wouldn't consider the Hawks on the playoff bubble at all. Like there's, there were some of these teams have about 10 games left. I think the Hawks have like 13 or 14. I'm not worried. I think they're, they're more likely to, to go the other way because Nashville is such a uh, disaster right now. Uh, so I think they're probably going to catch Nashville and then, uh, and then they'll be fine. But yeah, I don't, I don't really hate uh, like, I don't hate the loser point from from a business side because I want the league to do well. I want all the stadiums to be full. But I, as a fan, um, it, like I'm kind of more inclined to side with you that it is uh, frustrating to see all these teams over 500. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's a, it's something that needs to be addressed. And I don't I don't actually hate the shootout either. I, I saw we got a glimpse of three on three. Um, in the Lightning Bruins game last week, and it was sensational. Like, I had always been kind of uh, against going to three-on-three. I thought it was like, you know, that's just another gimmick. Like, people call the shootout a gimmick. Well, what's three-on-three? That's just another gimmick. Um, But it was fun to watch. So I'm all about entertainment. That's why I like the shootout. I think you get to see things that you rarely get to see. There's nothing more exciting than a penalty shot. Uh, So if you want to do a shootout, great. And for that... If you want to go four on four for four minutes and then have four minutes of three on three and then a shootout, I guess that's fine too. Like, I really don't care. I think the shootout is fine. I'm not trying to stay up past 11 o'clock or, you know, whatever. So if they want to end the game more quickly, I'm all for that too. But I, I think the shootout uh, has kind of gotten a bad rap. It was, you know, it, people loved it uh, when they first brought it into the league after, 
after the, the initial lockout 10 years ago. And I still think it's fun. So people need to just relax. We've had 60 minutes of, of real hockey or 65 minutes of hockey and it, and it wasn't settled. I don't, I'm not going to really be too concerned about an extra point and how that's decided. So, and that could be my bias is we usually get to watch Dave Kane, Sharp, Hosa, whoever <laughs> in the shootout. But I think the shootout's largely fine. You know, we've had plenty of hockey. Let's wrap it up and get out of here. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the shootout either. I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like I go back to, you know, five years ago in the Rangers, missed the playoffs on the last day of the season in a shootout, which is pretty devastating. But, at the, you know, if they had won, then people would, no one would care about it because, the, like, Flyers fans who did win, um, I'm sure they loved the shootout at that point. But uh, it just seems weird. Especially or just, when hey, you're... win it in regulation. Don't worry about it. Exactly. It's better in the first 65 minutes. And exactly. You don't have to cry and about losing a shootout. It's kind of ironic that the sport which, you know, in the playoffs, the games can go on for seven hours until there's a winner, and in the regular season, they're so quick to get out of there that they're willing to do a shootout is, is kind of funny. But, you know, you're right. The Blackhawks, they really aren't on the playoff bubble, but that was just, you know, trying to make my point that they're still just four games up on the Jets when it seems like those two teams are, are separated by a lot more than what should be just four wins. And you look at the Blackhawks yeah. right now, you know, sitting in that third spot, if the things stayed the same, they'd play Nashville. If they won, they'd play the winner of the Blues-Kings right now. You, I mean, I'd like the Blackhawks' chances against the Predators. I've said that they were sort of a fraud team all along, and I know we talked about this last time where, like you said, they're just a team that gives max effort and, and grinds you down over the course of the regular season. But in the playoffs, it's, it's a whole different set um, you know, of circumstances. But to get Blackhawks' Kings you know, possibly in the second round, I feel like that would be sort of a letdown to get it that early in the playoffs. Yeah, I would not want that. Let's, let's make that clear. <laughs> I, I love the divisional playoffs. Uh, the idea of that and the wild card to me where they flip flop it around like takes away from having to like you might as well have um one verse eight like they did in, you know or one you know how they did it uh in previous years so either have divisional playoffs or don't because i love the idea of rangers islanders penguins washington matching up in somehow uh and then i love uh boston montreal and all those types of rivalries um, but if you like flip flop it, I was looking at the standings today, and it's like the Rangers are playing the Bruins in the first round now, and Montreal is playing Washington. Well, that who no one wants that. Everyone wants the opposite of that. Everyone wants Boston Montreal. I'd love to see the Rangers and the Caps have had a nice little rivalry here traditionally and and recently as well. So give us what we want. Give us those divisional matchups, and and just don't have the wild card. If I would be in favor of if like the fifth place team in the division was better than the fourth-place team, then fine, slide them in there. But just to, to have four playoff teams uh, make it from each division and then just flip-flop the last season based upon standings, it seems like you're trying too hard. Just give us give us what we want, which is divisional playoffs and the rivalries we love. Well, uh, I know of late you've said on Twitter that, that you've been jealous of the, the Rangers-Islanders now relevant rivalry again for the first time in 20 years. Mm-hmm. And you get to see both teams this week, uh, the Islanders on Tuesday, the Rangers on Wednesday. And the Islanders have sort of been falling apart here, a little like what's been going on with the Predators. Um, but they're still, you know, in the playoff mix, they're still going to make it because now the ninth seed in the East just seems so far separated from the eight that Boston's going to get in now, which is a shame. And the Capitals look fine and Florida and Ottawa will probably go home. But, uh, 
when you look at the Islanders from the outside, from an outside perspective, you know, you're removed from the, the New York bias. What do you see about that team? And uh, are you worried about them or, or, you know, not only playing them in the regular season, but potentially down the road too? I don't think there's any shot that they make a run to the Stanley Cup final, so I'm not really worried about them at that they are going into June. But for tonight, you know, they're a quality team. They're a quality opponent. Um, but they have some growing up to do, too. Like, they, uh, like Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty are nice defensemen, but they don't have a Norris. Neither one of them are Norris-type defensemen, um, like true shutdown guys like that. I think McDonough is in that category for the Rangers. Um, and they don't really have that. I think Halak is a good goalie. He's not a great goalie. Um, the thing that really makes them special is Tavares. He is the real deal. He he reminds me a little bit of Taves. I would say Taves is better defensively, certainly, um, and Johnny Hockey, Johnny Tavares, he, uh, he puts up a few more points. But they're, they're, the way they carry themselves, they're, they're kind of more serious, um, kind of lead-by-example types. And I think he, he's a great captain. I think they'll win one eventually with him, but it's not this year. They still need to tweak their roster a little bit, mature a little bit, uh, whereas the Rangers are ready. Like they're, they're the class of the East. Uh, that's two podcasts in a row I've been saying that. It's just so <laughs> much I don't want you reverse jinxing them like you did with the Red Wings. And the Panthers and a few other teams. I've been murdering teams left and right just by opening my mouth. Like uh, the Panthers were like one point out of the playoffs, and I declared them in. And then and all the goalies got hurt night, the same day. All <laughs> everybody got hurt. I bought a Van Beesbrook uh, T-shirt to try and like reverse <laughs> mush the mush, and uh, that hasn't really worked. So I don't know what to do. I apologize to uh, the Panthers for for killing their season and the Wings as well. And you can probably lump uh, the Jets and the and the Predators into that category too. I've been pumping their tires, and they've fallen apart of late. So um, I'm a mush. I'm just not, not going to talk about the Blackhawks at all. They're going to just kind of go on their on their way. Um, but I've been I've been mushing everybody else. So it's time for me to just kind of keep my mouth shut and just watch and not say anything. <laughs> Well, I actually want to ask you about this because now that the Rangers, you know, got to the Stanley Cup final last year, the only place to go from there now is to get back there and win it. And they probably didn't belong there last year because all the things that had to go right. And even though the East was weak, uh, I still think, you know, if Price doesn't get hurt in that series, things might be different. If the Bruins hadn't blown their series, things might have ended different. Um, if Pittsburgh wasn't so soft, things could have ended different. And to get back to the Stanley Cup final is so hard. There, you need to be, you know, incredibly healthy, incredibly lucky, score timely, you know, goals. It just, everything has to go perfectly. And now that they're in right. the spot where they're expected to get back there, they're the best in the East right now. They're expected to be the one seed, have home ice, and just get back there. It just seems like if they were to lose game one of the first round, everyone's going to be freaking out and going nuts. And you've been in this spot now a few times in recent years where the Blackhawks are the heavy favorite going in. And, you know, that first loss, it just seems like 
people overreact, especially here, especially in this city where everyone overreacts to everything. Uh, it just seems like, you know, I'm so worried about what's going to happen in the springtime that I wish the playoffs would just start now because it's like a level of like worriness and anxiety that gets created. And it sort of happened, you know, in the past when the Yankees were the Yankees and everything in the playoffs is heightened and magnified. And it hasn't been like that for the Rangers in 20 years. I mean, last year was just a fun run, whereas now it's, right. you know, strictly about winning a championship. Um, you know, how do you, how do you deal with that? Because the Blackhawks, I mean, a couple years ago when they beat the Bruins in the cup, you know, they trailed in that series, they trailed three, one to the Red Wings, uh, in the finals, uh, for the Western conference. So, I mean, you've been in that spot before. Well, yeah. And, and even last year too, the Hawks were down two zero um, to St. Louis and people were like, want, like wanted to fire Q mid series. It felt like, uh, you know, people were pressing the panic button and especially it seems like the blues, I don't know how many years in a row, maybe four years in a row have been like the sexy pick to, make a cup run. And I just, I don't know, I've never really seen it. So when it was, when they're down 2-0 to the Blues and everyone had to declare them uh, kind of a, a favorite to come out of the West, people were losing their friggin' mind. And I didn't get it. I always thought the Hawks were the best team. So I would kind of say same thing to you. If the Rangers drop one to, I mean, and they're going to lose games because the East is, is so deep. You know, nobody goes 16-0 and and wins the Stanley Cup. So I would just say, like, relax. Like, the Rangers, you know, the, the, the cream always rises, and the Rangers are the cream right now. So they're going to – they'll eventually beat these teams. It might take six or seven games, but I would be surprised if they lost to the Capitol. Like, I would be shocked if they lost to the Bruins. I don't think the Bruins can skate with them for seven games. Uh, so, yeah, it is, it is the Rangers. Um they they seem to have corrected the little bugaboo they had with the Islanders earlier in the year, but they put that behind them in time in case a matchup comes there. The only team that I see as a matchup problem is Montreal because Montreal can skate. Montreal has the goaltending, um, and they have the guys that have been there and the guys that can finish those those rare chances in the playoffs. So Montreal might give them might give them problems, um, but other than that, I think the Rangers. They got to be the favorite heading into uh, heading into the playoffs. Well, a few weeks ago when we talked about the the Red Wings and you were telling me, you know, be the lookout for the Red Wings, be scared of the Red Wings, and the Rangers played them and they lost two to one in overtime in a game they dominate, maybe their most dominant game of the season, and they lost uh, I mean, because they, they killed them. And, yeah, and they lost because Jimmy <laughs> yeah. Howard stood on his head and. And yeah. Red Wings fans start chirping and you know getting excited about that, and that's the Rangers' only loss uh, in March. Now they're 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 six and one, and in that loss, you know you you watch the Red Wings and they're really one line. They're sort of top heavy, and Jimmy Howard has to play out of their head for them to steal a game there. And it just it just made me think, you know, this is the team that people are worried about in a seven game series. Jimmy Howard's not going to do that every time unless you know he's John Sebastian Jaguar twelve years ago. But it just it made me more confident in the Rangers because. As someone who, you know, in your spot, you've watched the Red Wings uh, over the years before they moved back to the East. You know you know how they play, what they're like. And for you to hype them and then watch the Rangers dominate them and, and only lose in overtime because of Jimmy Howard, it made me feel a lot better about the, our chances going into the playoffs. I feel like you're baiting me into mushing the wings even further. That's what it, that's what it feels like because they aren't top-heavy anymore. Um, uh, Zetterberg and um, Datsuk, are still great players, but then they've supplemented that with Tatar and Nyquist and um, 
uh, Applicator and Darren Helm, like they have a lot of depth on that team. And they're able to kind of roll four lines. And adding Eric Cole is another speed guy um, that can play on any of those four lines as they get going. Their biggest problem is that they don't have that Norris-type defenseman. They've been trying to replace Nick Lidstrom since he retired and haven't been able to do it. They've kind of struck out on free agency a couple of times. But they really, like, they do have a really good team. They have a really good coach. And it, and if they get that type of performance uh, consistently out of Jimmy Howard, then they are a really dangerous team because they know how to play and they know how to win. They almost stole that. So they're up 3-1 to one against the Hawks um, when the Hawks won it in 2013. And then it was largely because Zetterberg was a monster defensively, um, shutting down Taves, frustrating Taves and that whole line. And then Howard was incredible. So if they get top performances from their best guys, they can still win the East. Um, so it would, like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Wings got there. Now, you're right. The Rangers smoked them in that game. Um, and the Wings were lucky to come away with the win, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bury the Wings just yet. Like they're still a really talented team, and they're a young team considered, which people don't realize because their best guys have been around forever. But Tatar is young; he's got young legs. Got his first playoff taste last year. Same thing with Ny- Nyquist. Applicator still in his twenties. He was on that last Cup team they won, uh, that won it. So they have some they have some fresh legs, and they're kind of a team that I I would still be like okay like that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough test the wings. Well, uh, because you guys are here in, in your or because you're playing not in New York yet, but because you're playing the Islanders and the Rangers, uh, you see those deals that the Islanders are now getting guys on uh, you know locking guys up long term, sort of a change in culture for the Islanders. And one of them's Nick Letty. He gets uh, that that huge deal along with Johnny Boychuk. But there's a Blackhawk guy now now going to be on Long Island for the long haul. I know, and it was uh, that was one of the best trades the Hawks ever made. They gave up Cam Barker, who was a complete bust, um, for Kim Johnson, who ended up getting a concussion and never really played for the Hawks. And he was like their big deadline acquisition when they won it in 2010. I think he played like two games. And then they got uh, Nick Lake as like a throw-in uh, in that deal. Not a throw-in. He was a first-round pick, highly thought of, but he ended up being the best player in that trade by far. And the Hawks, if you remember, they won the Cup, and then they kept Brian Campbell around for another year. Um, and then they traded Brian Campbell to, to clear up some cap space. And the Hawks really rushed Nick, Nick Letty. He was a full-time NHL defenseman at age 19. They tried him in the top four at age 20. And he just wasn't ready for it. So they went out and got Johnny Oduya. And Nick Letty slid into the third pair. And, I, you know, lack of opportunity and maybe some, you know, it's hard to be a young guy in Chicago this day and age that he just, you know, it was kind of, kind of a combination of factors that never really let him become a true top four defenseman. So it was one of those things where he had to move on to move up and he's done it. So like, I'm happy for him. He got, he was a nice part of the team when the Hawks won the cup, um, in 2013. But yeah, it's still, it's stings a little bit because the Hawks brought him along 
and then they were forced to trade him for cap reasons. And it seems like the Islanders got him at the perfect time. Like he was just ready to make that next step when the Hawks were forced to trade him. And now he's, he's a much better player. He's never going to be a Norris guy, but he can help you on your power play. And he's good enough uh, defensively that you can trust him in, uh, in big spots. All right, Chief. Well, we're getting closer here to the playoffs. I'm sure we'll talk again. Hopefully we get to talk a lot of times, uh, you know, there at the end of May and June for a Stanley Cup, a real Stanley Cup preview podcast. And uh, if they get there, we should do something, you know, for every game. But like uh, I saw with the Mets, you know, the Mets and the Cubs this year, everyone's hyping both those teams up as finally being able to get over the hump and get back to uh, being a contender in the league. And you see the Mets suffer a devastating injury with Zach Wheeler. So I hope your mush uh, for the Red Wings and all the other teams doesn't affect the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs, I mean... They got a lot of mushes. I'm not one of them. So if I'm mushing the Cubs, then I mean they—they—it's they, beyond my control at that point. I, I might just have to lock myself in the room because they've got so many mushes. I'm so far down on that list that I can't possibly mush them. But I do think that you know the Cubs are going to be competitive for the first time in—I don't know—truly competitive for the first time in ten years. So we're uh, pretty excited for it here and. Uh, baseball season the playoffs can't get here fast enough all right chief we'll talk again uh hopefully we get another good one on on wednesday night at msg maybe another overtime one maybe another one nothing rangers win and uh we'll see you guys and we'll talk to you soon and hopefully we'll see you guys in the playoffs all right happy st patty's day Uh, you too